I'm Dr. Fiona Lovely, and this is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. I'm taking the taboos of menopause and perimenopause and bringing light to the dark. No bullshit, no shame. It's time for us to gain a new paradigm in female health, out with the old and in with the new, and I'm bringing fresh perspectives from someone in the arena. I've been practicing women's health for nearly 20 years, and I'm spilling the tea and what it means to live at midlife, knowing that the best is yet to come. I'm sharing my Gen X approach to living through this transition, sassy, a bit sweary, and always honest. Tactical tips and instantly usable information is my aim. I hope to make you laugh and that you learn something new that helps you embrace the change. Together, we bring power to the Perry. Onward to the podcast. Hello, ladies. Dr. Fiona Lovely here of the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. How are you doing? It's a glorious Tuesday here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I'm excited about the spring weather coming. It's been kind of late this year, so if you live close to me, you know what I'm talking about. Looking forward to the spring. So today I'm going to do for you a frequently asked questions episode now called AMA ask me anything and uh, apparently this is the <laughs> it's what we're calling these things these days and some time ago I think it was last week I put out a, a call on Instagram and Facebook saying what do you need to know for me what what would you like to know what what questions do you have what queries can I answer for you and so I've compiled uh, the uh, my favorite of those questions and I think the 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 things that are going to be most useful and most asked uh, from women that I see in my practice and my podcast community what's going to be the most helpful information so I've got that information for you coming up shortly first I want to announce a new product partner that we have here on the podcast and that's Sleep Me Sleep Solutions. And uh, I'm super excited about this product, you guys. Like, seriously. And I have a little bit more about it coming up here shortly. But I just want to um, ask you to uh, have a listen and check out the, the product uh, page that they've put together for our community, which is sleep.me slash menofiona. And listen to the end of the ad. They have a great uh, coupon code for for us for their awesome product. I'm using it myself. I don't want to spoil it too much because I want you to listen in, but I'm I'm loving it, like seriously loving it. So uh, before I dive into the AMA episode, please take a moment to listen to our product partners. If you are a woman who sleeps hot or experiences hot flashes or night sweats, you know how disruptive this can be to the quality of your life. I would love to tell you about Sleep Me. It's a sleep system with a mattress topper that you place on your existing mattress, which uses water to cool your bed to as low as 55 degrees Fahrenheit. No matter how hot you get, you can sleep at your ideal temperature. There are also dual temperature controls from 55 to 115 Fahrenheit so your bed partner can be 
happy too. You can schedule temperature changes. So if you don't like the idea of getting into a cold bed, you can set it to warm and then slowly cool down as you drift off to sleep. SleepMe offers two water-based sleep systems, the Cube and the Dock Pro. Both provide a mattress topper that will cool to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. A recent study by Wake Forest University showed that women in the menopause transition experienced a 57% decrease in the frequency of night sweats when using SleepMe's sleep systems. If you are suffering from hot, uncomfortable sleep, please check out sleep.me slash menofiona. The kind folks at SleepMe have offered our podcast listeners 20% off if you order through our link using the promo code HOTFLASH. I personally use the Cube system, and it's a game changer. I'm amazed at how much it's changed the quality of my sleep. I sleep more deeply, and I sleep longer. I wake cool and rested. Please check out sleep.me slash menofiona and use the code HOTFLASH for 20% off. I would like to acknowledge our sponsor, Athletic Greens, which is now called AG1. This is a vitamin, mineral, and probiotic greens drink. It helps me boost my energy and gives me the nutrients I need in case I don't get what I want and need in my diet for the day. It tastes great, and it has mushrooms and digestive enzymes and adaptogens for adrenal health. I take it once a day. It's truly an all-in-one supplement. If you would like to try AG, please visit athleticgreens.com slash Fiona Lovely, and they'll send you a year's supply of liquid vitamin D3 with K2 and five free travel packs, which come in mighty handy for getting your AG on the go. Thanks, Athletic Greens, for sponsoring the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. Okay, Ask Me Anything episode, and uh, today I'm going to start with a question about intermittent fasting. Now, I know I talk about this a lot, I have for years with you guys, but I think we can always sharpen the point, we can always sharpen the pencil and get a better idea of, of how to do it, when to do it, who is it good for, etc. So let me give you a little bit of information. So the question that came in was, can I do a 24-hour fast in perimenopause safely? And the answer is maybe. I personally don't care for the longer fasts simply unless there's a good medical reason like you're trying to reverse diabetes and you're being medically monitored and there are actually places where you will go and stay and be medically monitored for these longer fasts. That kind of thing I'm okay with as long as they're done in a very specific way. But the general population doing these water fasts and stuff, please don't. That just smacks of diet industry from the 80s. And it's just generally a crappy idea because by the time a woman reaches the perimenopause era, she is very much likely to have some form of adrenal challenge. Or if you're looking at the medical literature, it's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or HPA axis dysregulation. And when you have that, taking away resources um, for the body uh, can be further challenging to those systems. So I thought it'd be a good idea to sort of 
kind of add a few bits of information and clarify to the conversation around intermittent fasting, include the, including the episodes you've had from me. First of all, if you're pregnant or you're trying to get pregnant and or you're experiencing stress, just don't do it. That's not the time to be fasting, period. See, I'm not adding any more information, so just don't justify it. That's just not for you. If your thyroid is challenged, and you know that because you've had the blood testing, you've been told by a medical practitioner or a primary care practitioner, um, really, it's okay to fast for some people. You almost have to try it out. Remember, this is using all the rules of how women should fast, never more than two or three times a week, never longer than 18 hours, but sort of as a fasting window, but 16 hours is sort of my sweet spot. So what that means is you're fasting for 16 hours and you're eating everything that you would normally consume in a day in an eight hour window. So, um, but really important information, if you know you're adrenally challenged or you know you have a thyroid challenge, then you need to be eating early, not being one of those fasters that doesn't eat till noon. That's simply the honoring the rhythms of those glands Um, you're better off eating early and closing the window early. So you have, by the time you reach bed, you've probably been several hours without food. That's how I fast. Um, That's easy for me because I tend not to be all that hungry at night anyways. And I know that's a weird thing. Most people are the other way. Uh, But the research is pretty clear here. Um, Eating earlier in the day is far better if you have a cortisol challenge. Um, Interestingly enough, and something to remember, fasting research primarily has been done on men. So the information out there on that was actually researched on on women is pretty thin on the ground. So we're kind of figuring it out as we go along. And when they talk about these longer fasts, like the the listener had asked if a 24-hour fast was a good idea. Remember, men have a 24-hour hormonal cycle and women have a 28-day hormonal cycle. So that little piece of information gets missed from the physiology texts and anatomy texts, etc. quite often. And so a man's, um, I suppose, chronology or chronotype is going to be far better suited to a longer fast. So that was just a little bit of information I should have added at the beginning when I was talking about the fasting window. So so let's say you're doing a 16-8, which means you're fasting for 16 hours of which you probably or you should be sleeping for eight of that anyways, and maybe a little bit longer if you can. Um, then what that means is you're consuming all of the calories that you normally would in an eight-hour window. It's really important to say that, to, to state that I don't want you to restrict calories at all during your eating window. And if you have a food allergy or a food restriction, like let's say you're gluten intolerant like me, or you know you can't do dairy very well, or um, let's say eggs are a problem, maintain that. So maintain your paleo diet, your Mediterranean diet, your keto, etc., whatever is the healthy diet for you and your body, but don't restrict calories in your eating window. So here's some tips about the macros you should be eating. You should be around 125 grams of protein a day. Now that's plus or minus. It just depends on what your body type is, uh, etc. Um, the way I track that is I put it in the um, chronometer app or chronometer app. It's free. 
uh, easy to use, and then I've got an idea of what the things I like to eat and the things I eat on a regular basis, how much protein they have in them. Also, 25 grams minimum a day of fiber. You can make that a fiber supplement, certainly, but you really want to aim to get that from your food, healthy fats and greens. Focus on those things first, and then you can add in the carbs that you might wish to eat. Make sure you're drinking water through the waking hours. That's including the hours that you're fasting. You can also drink black tea, black coffee, and green tea. Now, the longer fasts, like 18-hour fast with a six-hour eating window, no more than twice a week, please. And as I said, nothing longer than eight, anything longer than 18 hours is not something I recommend uh, because of our adrenal load. Some others do it, but again, medically supervised is the way you want to handle that. So that's just a little clarification on uh, intermittent fasting, but also uh, uh, to answer a listener's question. So the next question is, if I'm taking a multivitamin like Athletic Greens or AG1, do I need to take more supplementation? And great question. Thank you for sending that in. And my answer is it depends. So if you, for example, know you're experiencing a adrenal fatigue, uh, you definitely want to take adrenal support supplements at certain times of the day. Usually those are directed by your natural health provider. Um, but then, and you'll take that on top of your athletic greens. Maybe you need to add magnesium if your diet is depleted or if you're experiencing insomnia, then you have your AG. This is what I do. I'd have my AG in the morning because then I know it's like insurance for me. If I don't get to eat the things I wish to eat throughout the day, then I know I've got like minimal nutrient in there. Um, but I add magnesium glycinate at bedtime. It helps me sleep. So Let's say you have a thyroid diagnosis. Well, you have to take targeted thyroid support or you can choose to take targeted thyroid support and you would take that on top of your multivitamin. Um, or IBS, celiac, gluten intolerant. You would want to add more probiotics. You would want to potentially er, uh, add uh, fermented foods, which are like medicine. You also would like to add a mineral supplement. Now, if we're talking about AG, there are some minerals in AG but you probably want to add more because you are not absorbing the same way someone who has a normal gut function, whatever that is, um, uh, you will have a, a, a greater need. You will not be absorbing the same way. Let's say you know you have osteoporosis or osteopenia or that it's in your family and you're prone to bone loss, then you want to make sure you're taking your bone health supports, etc. plus your HRT option from your HRT doctor. So Again, I think you get the idea. If you know that you have a weak link somewhere, let's say it's your gut, then you will want to add gut healthy support on top of your basic insurance like athletic greens. Okay, next question. Is more joint pain to be expected in perimenopause? And the answer is yes. It's a very, very common symptom for women in perimenopause. So is muscle pain and stiffness. So why does this happen? Well, there's a few factors, but the biggest one is the decline of estrogen that happens. So as estrogen starts to move out of the body, uh, or we just don't have that, we're not making the same levels that we once did when we were regularly cycling, uh, Estrogen, it acts as a lubricant, really, whether we're talking about your vagina or your joints. So 
as your skin gets dry, you potentially can have uh, uh, vaginal dryness, your muscles get stiff and sore, dry mouth, dry eyes, you get the picture. Okay, so of course you should have your hormones checked to see if you are low in estrogen and have that amended. And the most recent research, by the way, which I'm sure this will be an entire podcast coming out soon, but I've just read this this morning, is that in terms of the symptoms of menopause that can carry on for the remaining 40% of a woman's life, the sooner she gets HRT, the less likely those are to continue most especially if you can say it that way i feel like a little kid saying it that way most uh most specifically around brain function and cognitive decline so this is true especially true for women who have uh if you know you have one of the genetic variants that predispose you to alzheimer's or dementia or um you know that you have family members that uh, or you have family members family history of alzheimer's and dementia you want to be making sure you have your hormones checked as soon around perimenopause as possible and yes that means some women potentially quite young in their late 30s could be facing hrt if, uh, or could be helped by HRT is how I should say it, if they have declining hormone levels. So it's individual to every person. You have to find yourself a practitioner who knows what they're doing around HRT. I know that is a tall order, but it is changing. So if you know estrogen is declining, if you're experiencing the stiffness in the joints and in the muscles, etc., chances are you should have them checked. Testosterone plays a role here too. So here's what I recommend to help with joint pain. Number one, make sure you're taking enough omega-3 fatty acids. So that's fish oil. Certainly be eating fish several times a week. That's good for your brain. It's good for all kinds of things. But you should be consuming uh, approximately a gram of omega fats a day. Fish, avocado, nuts, uh, extra virgin olive oil, potentially a supplement, what you don't, what you aren't getting. Again, the chronometer app will help you with that. Spend more time stretching every day. And I know that sounds very unsexy, but I promise you it does make a huge difference. See your chiropractor, your registered massage therapist, your physio to keep things moving. Prevention, prevention, prevention. Again, HRT, get your hormones checked and amended. A big one and a lever that you can easily pull yourself without having to get anybody else involved is make sure you're consuming anti-inflammatory foods. And diet is a big one, which we uh, next next episode coming out, we'll be talking more about the anti-inflammatory foods, vegetables, healthy fats. It's the things that you would think, right? And also you might consider adding a collagen powder to your AG1 or your smoothie. Uh, that's what I do. It's not the, the collagen that you're supposed to smear on your face. I know lots of that is being sold right now. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the collagen that is powdered that um, uh, you add to a drink and makes it nice and creamy actually essentially tastes like nothing but that's what uh your musculoskeletal system is made from in part whether we're talking about your bones your ligaments your muscles etc so adding a collagen powder um is a really good way to just get it's great for your skin too um okay vitamin d make sure you're eating that make sure you're taking magnesium glycinate every day if you have joint pain and pick a movement 
that brings you joy and do it daily. Big one, big one. Okay, uh, last question I'm going to answer for this AMA is, does a hysterectomy prevent perimenopause and menopause? So interesting question. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just like opt out of this whole thing? (laughs) I feel like I've been in perimenopause so long, I can't even remember what it was like before. (laughs) Anybody else? Can anybody else relate? Okay. So let's just kind of define a couple of things. So hysterectomy typically is removal of the uterus only while the ovaries are retained. Now, the conventional thinking is that because the ovaries are retained, a woman stays out of menopause. Um, But the ovaries get the majority of their blood supply from the uterine artery. So when the uterine artery is removed, there is going to be some atrophy of the ovaries. And so what I have heard um, a great deal of women talk about who are experts in this field, uh, ones that have had to have their own hysterectomies for whatever reason, you know, whether it was fibroids or endometriosis or some other disease of the uterus itself, their uh, request was, please put this patch on my, my, this estrogen patch on my backside before you roll me out of the, of the surgical suite. So basically she never goes without uh, estrogen. Now, it depends on why you're there um, and you have to have those hormone levels checked first. But generally speaking, that's what we're looking at uh, is helpful, or that's what I've heard is helpful. Now, if you have your uterus removed, you'll still go through perimenopause, but you will be typically, generally speaking, but you will be without the information we can glean from our bleeds. Okay, so, you know, the, usually the first sign of perimenopause for women is that the cycles get shorter. You know, they were once 30 days or 28 days, and now they're 25 or 24 days. That's usually one of those very first signs. Or we start to have difficulties elevating our moods or regulating our moods, or we start to have difficulty sleeping. Those are kind of the early signs of perimenopause, and then things get a lot louder later on for some women, not for all, but generally speaking, that's how it goes. So if you have your uterus removed, you just don't have that information about where you are in perimenopause without the information from our bleeds. Now, if ovaries and uterus are removed, you absolutely will experience what's called a surgical menopause because you are no longer cycling, and you are no longer ovulating because those tissues have been removed. So hysterectomy is not a prevention tactic for perimenopause, sadly. <laughs> I know lots of us would like to opt out. Okay, keep in mind that perimenopause is a chronological ovarian, adrenal, and brain-based phenomenon. And there are likely other systems involved too. So there's really no avoiding it. You will spend presumably 40% of your life in menopause. There's no avoiding that. Just as we spend 40% of our lives in reproduction, it's just how our bodies operate. 
Many women experience minimal symptoms of perimenopause. Keep that in mind. There's lots of women I talk to that have a pretty easy go with it, or they have fairly minimal symptoms. And then there's some women that are lucky enough to have a lot more symptoms. And um, stress seems to be a common factor here, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things in that in that um, environment. It's an it's an environmental thing, right? It's 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 behavioral. It's uh, genetics based. It's there's a lot of things in that um, in that terrain that 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 dictate what a woman is going to experience in her perimenopause. It's interesting to know that some cultures don't even have a word for menopause, which means they never had to come up with a word because it was never a thing. Interesting, right? So I think what's really important, uh, the important part of this conversation is, is just having these conversations and normalizing this time in a woman's life. I believe this time to be sacred. The wise ones that came before me have said to me that a woman becomes more fully herself after the noise of the push and pull of the hormones at reproduction stops. We become far more intuitive. We become far more wise um, and less tolerant of bullshit. (laughs) I don't know if that's a medical thing or not, but it sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) So this time is sacred. Uh, Make peace with it. Make peace with it. Anyways, I would like to thank uh, Sleep Me for coming on board as our new product partner. I would like to thank uh, Athletic Greens for continuing to sponsor this podcast. And I would like to thank all of you for listening and for responding to my call for questions for this uh, Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, I'll be doing another one here, I'm I'm sure, before too long. So as always, I'm happy to uh, hear what you have to say. Uh, Tell me if you love the podcast. Let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to cover. I'm always listening. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Fiona Lovely. That same uh, TikTok, TikTok and Instagram at Dr. Fiona Lovely. And on Facebook at Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast. Until next time, be well. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your health care provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.